Welcome to Inside with Outsiders. My name is Jeremy Iscari, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Javier Jimenez. What's up, man? Okay. How you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm great. So actually, I know Javier through one of my best friends, Georgia. Uh, I was fortunate enough for her to find an amazing boyfriend and now fiance in Javier. So uh, I appreciate that. Javi, um, you've been a big part of Outsiders. You've been one of our guides, drivers. Um, but you've lived a bunch of different lives. One of the reasons I'm interested in this interview is because you've lived like, like four different lives within your lifetime or, or more. Yeah, four and, um, a, four and a half. Four and a, four and a half. <laughs> uh, by the way, Javier is like the king of dad jokes. There's no kids yet, but he's the king of dad jokes. So be prepared. I warn you. Um, Javi, right. go ahead. Throw no, a dad joke in there. No, I was going to say, try not to say that I know of. Oh, okay. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Javi, where are you from originally? Uh, born in Costa Rica, raised all throughout the U.S., but mainly up in the Northeast. Where in Costa Rica, and how long were you there? San Jose, um, and then by the time I was three, I learned how to swim, and then I, I, I made it here. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be that kind of interview. We're going to cut that short right now. I had a feeling this was going to be... Terrible. I mean, great, but terrible with that dad jokes. Uh, it's amazing. Don't worry. Uh, so you, you learned how to swim. You came over here. How old were you when you came over to the United States? Uh, three, three years old. And it was just you and your mom, right? Yeah, uh, me and my mom. In, in, a, in a nutshell, she fled the country um, trying to protect me from a, a family that I had over there. My biological father died. We've since reconciled, but. Um, mm -hmm. She fled, in essence, smuggling me here to uh, a better life. How did how did she manage that? I mean, obviously there's it, there's issues with like immigration and so on. Like, what'd she do? I mean, it sounds like she did the right thing and she did whatever she could to have a better life for you. Yeah, it was um, uh, keep it short, right? It was under the radar for quite some time until she met my stepfather, yeah. um, father of my dope rest of my brothers, um, and legally adopted me and, and got me my papers. He got his through the amnesty of 1983. Um, so Is he also Costa Rican? He's also Costa Rican. Interesting story. My parents met in Norwalk, Connecticut. They went to the same elementary school in Costa Rica, never met each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, are, are they still together? No. Right? No. Okay. Gotcha. So how old were you again when you came here? I know you mentioned about Yeah, about three. Three. And where'd you, co where'd you go to, Connecticut? Uh, no, it was uh, immigrant hopscotch. Right, like you're just like here, there, two months, two I months, love two that. months. Immigrant hopscotch, it's yeah. a great term. <laughs> Until eventually we... So where, where, in any of the cities you went to, and do you remember, like you, you were No, young. no, I don't really remember. I've heard Chicago, I heard by way Miami, right, many of us. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, that's what I know, but short stints, New York, and then for whatever the hell reason, Norwalk, Connecticut. Well, um, Norwalk is a, considered a suburb of New York, right, so... It is, I've, I always ask myself the question of like, how alike Costa Rica is Connecticut. <laughs> that, that's where my mom was like, yeah, cool, beach, got it. We had, you know. Wow, all right, so so Connecticut was the first place you kind of planted your roots, right? Yeah, yeah. And how long were you there? Probably until I was about eight, 18. Oh, so you grew up in Norwalk? I grew up in between Norwalk and the city, so I was like back and forth coming into- New York City? Yeah. What were you, I mean, what were you doing in New York City as a kid? Just visiting. Oh, nice. my, my aunt lived in the Heights, and so that's where I would spend a lot of time in the summers and stuff like that. Okay, so you kind of are somewhat of a true Yorker in a sense, because you did spend time here as a kid. Yeah, I, I would, I, I mean, like anyone who lives close to New York, anytime you go outside of the tri-state area, you rep New York like of course, we're of course. born here. Kinetic, some people in Connecticut will rep New England, though. I'm really happy you don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so after Connecticut, you went to Atlanta, right? Yeah, I went down to Atlanta. So did you, you finished your school in Connecticut. So I went to school in, in, in Connecticut. I, for some reason, uh, convinced myself that going to culinary school was the right move so that I could pay my way through business, business school. Um, Wait, where's the, where's, where's the logic in that? <laughs> you, have, you paid for school to, to get a job. To, okay, yeah. yeah, okay. Right, so I went to culinary school here in the city, and then afterwards, um, my mom moved down to Atlanta, and I was like, you know what? I, I went to my boss, and I was like, hey, I need a raise, right? I'd support myself in, in Connecticut, and he's like, I can't give it to you. So I was like, all right. I packed up my stuff, and I rolled down to Atlanta with my mom. 
Man, Javier can throw down in the kitchen. He's an amazing chef. Um, you know, I think I remember you saying you went to culinary school, but yeah. eating your food it makes it very apparent you did. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So, um, thank you. What, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> your the cultural was there a cultural shock for you? I mean, obviously when you came to the states, you were too young to really yeah. uh, be aware of that. But going from Connecticut to the South, I mean, oh, you you are you you're also you're also Hispanic. You're a minority, so I'm sure that might have been a different experience than a white person moving down to the South. What what was your experience like? Yeah, it was. Uh, it's weird because it's less about what was it was directed at me every once in a while if I was walking down the street and I had my hood up because we were in like the suburbs and so a very conservative uh the county that Newt Gingrich is from just to put some oh, context wow. yeah. in there um I'm walking down the street with my hoodie late night and had people drive by screaming slurs at me that were of a completely wrong race but I just looked as if I was something else right um gotcha. to me it was more about the fact that without the without a hoodie on in the dark right uh I don't look like what I am. And so what I saw was the behind the curtain. And I don't want to blow stuff out of proportion, right? I saw behind the curtain of I didn't look like what I was. What do you mean? Clarify that. Uh, I look more white than I do ethnic, right? Okay. In, in terms. So I would see things and hear conversations, and people would forget that, you know, among the crew that I, there was a person who was, right. was not like the others. Yeah. And so I heard a lot of things. I saw a lot of things. And being an empath and, and being... Uh, Can you also, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but you, I, I want you to explain what empath is. Not everyone knows. Yeah. Not um, everyone's a millennial. I'm, I'm basically <laughs> like a magnet for other people's feelings. So anytime I'm around... So you absorb around, them and feel them? Yeah. Yeah, like I absorb and feel them. Um, so it's, I heard the analogy once made that there's people who are empathetic and there are people who are caring. Um, I'm not so much a caring, nurturing person but I can feel another person's feeling and I will be there to kind of like help you out. But doesn't that, in a sense, make you caring and nurturing? I mean, those are qualities that you're helping somebody out, so you're caring and you're nurturing. Yeah, so the way that I guess that, that I heard it broken down is that the, the, the caring person brings intent of care, right? And I don't, and my intent isn't of care, I'm feeling your sadness and therefore <laughs> I must do so something. Saying, I feel your sadness, I don't really care but I just need to make you do we something. Need to, we need to cause fix you because I'm, I'm feeling it. Yeah. This is always coming from a selfish place. Well, yeah, if you want me to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at, least, yeah, at least you're no, helping yeah. out. At least yeah, yeah. Like, you know. I mean, I care about people. I mean, I care about people. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I can't not feel, not to be all foo-foo about it, like people's energy, right? You can feel a person's right. down, and I just draw that in a lot. And it's really tough because... Being in that, being in that space, there's the conscious me who's like, you are talking shit about my my people, or not even my people, but the people who who I've grown up with. I lived in New York, the Northeast, right? Like, I'm, I'm from a very small. There's a very small community of Costa Ricans anywhere you are, um, and so we kind of would just blend into whatever group, cross race, cross culture. It didn't matter. And when I was in these groups and I heard, I was like, yo, those are the people who who took me in always. But then at the same time, I'm sitting there and I'm like, but I feel why you are frightened by this. So I was in this like, this catch twenty two paradigm of like you're being a, a, a piece of shit, but then but I I hear and I see the fear of where it's coming from, so it was really it was it was rough to be able to from my perspective as an empath right as someone who internalizes but other yeah, people's feelings. It's almost like you're taking on the responsibility to understand and see where they're coming from while still disagreeing with their view. Right. Yeah, but that's that's heavy. That's that's a lot of weight on your shoulders. It is, and but there's um. There's, it's like you can't turn it off, you know? Like, it's, it's either on or off, right? Like so, yeah. I mean, in that case, you got to be really careful who you spend your time around. Yeah, it's why, why I am very selective of who and how I spend my time around. When I was young, I'd be like, everybody and anybody, because I would vibe. When you're young, it's all positive, right? Everyone's, ah. And you're, I'm like, oh, feeding off of everyone's positivity. But as I got older and older and older, I realized that there was people that I like the term uh, vampires, right? Energy Emotional vampires. En energy yeah, vampires. Yeah. Where you're just with people and you just like you feel like I'm like my bags just drained in life and and I can't be around those people no matter how how much I can like I, I say I'm I'm the I'm the person that'll give you advice and try to help you out I'm not the one who can sit and cry with you because you'll be you'll feel better and I will still sit with those feelings and I, and I can't put myself there you know well that just gives you the approach of being more of a like a rational logical approach to solve the situation 
Yeah, oh, for uh, sure. Which yeah, definitely I've more. experienced getting your advice, <laughs> and it's been very much like, no, I'm not going to binge in the emotion with you. Yeah. But here's what you can do to help out. Here's why you're feeling this way. Here, you know, right. and it, that's been extremely helpful in a sense. You know, if someone needs a shoulder to cry on, they find else someone else. But if someone needs, you know, uh, information on how to better themselves or what road to take, you give great advice. Uh, yeah, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you find yourself in Atlanta. You go to culinary school uh, uh, in Connecticut, right? Culinary school here in, in the New city, York, yeah. down on Bear, on Canal, American Canal. Okay. Popping. Okay. Uh, and then you move to Atlanta. You're a chef. What's your life? Would you, did you get a job right away? or? Yeah, yeah. I went down to basically help open, open a restaurant down there. And your life was very different from, correct me if I'm wrong, so you were living the whole... Um, restaurant lifestyle. Uh, I mean, in a sense, we're like, you've seen the movie Waiting? Yes. Like, yeah. I've worked in restaurants as a kid uh, in my teenage years. There's, there's like a lifestyle to working in a restaurant. I was a 370-pound weed-smoking, TBR-drinking chef. Wow. 375 pounds. Yeah. For almost seven and a half, eight years of my life. Wow. Um, what what I mean, jeez, <laughs> I don't even know what, because that's so much different from what I know of you. you know, I, I know you. I mean, granted, like when I met you, what'd you weigh? Like one ninety? You were super yeah. in shape. Like I mean, I know yeah. now you put some COVID weight on, but whatever. Like you, you're not that. You're right. not. You're well, I'm juicy pounds. now. Before I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's that's. I mean, that's an entire lifestyle change. That's pretty much you were a stoner. You you didn't sound very motivated. No, I think uh, to bring it in full circle, right? Like I lived other people's lives because I didn't understand. It wasn't until I was in my 30s that I understood what the, what an empath was. I didn't understand what it was. And so I know I have these feelings that I couldn't tell the difference. This is my feeling or is this your feeling? Like I'm just feeling it. I don't know whose it is and I'm feeling it, right? So weed helped kind of like chill that out to a degree. And then it came a point in life where I did realize and I began to feel that I'm living someone else's life. You know, like other people's lives, not someone else's, but a, a collective. So not what you, not your path, essentially. It wasn't my path. No, right. I was, I was being. Or your personal legend, if you've read uh, The Alchemist. Yes. Right, yes. Yeah. So okay. as a magnet, right, you can either attract or be attracted, right? Um, and so I think that I, I did not know what ground I stood on. And so as a magnet with no ground, you get pulled to wherever it is. So pull this way and then pull that way and pull that and, way. And you weren't living the life you envisioned or for yourself because, and you attribute it to being an empath, not realizing it. Right. So 375. It's my fault, though. It's my fault. Right? No, no. I don't want to say it's like, oh, I mean, empath, like everyone not, else. I mean, it was on me, right? It, it's fully, yeah. fully accountable for my well, own. Thank God you, 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 you kind of realized where you stood, what you wanted, and got out of that. Um, you found yourself stoner, 375 pounds, a chef in Atlanta. What changed? Um, Jesus Christ. Um, I was at when, a... When, when, when? Give us some timelines. Yeah, I think the, the, one of the, the catalyst for, for all the change was the weight loss, right? And the catalyst for the weight loss was I was in a, at a Deftones concert. I was in the mosh pit. I'm a massive Deftones fan. Same. Uh, same. We actually we yes. actually bonded on the Deftones connection. And Bams is a big Deftones fan, right? Yeah. Your, is your mic on, buddy? I'm sorry. No, no, no. The mic. The, I leave the mic off so I don't hear no sounds back here. Okay, but you're a big Deftones fan. Oh, hell fan. yeah, dude. Of course. Hell yeah. Deftones is amazing. <laughs> Deftones. Yo, we yeah. need it. I want it. They, have, they do have a beer out with a brewery. It's called Ohm. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that. Yeah. I want to get it. <laughs> I need to get it because I need to put it on a beer or Bam's episode, but we, I want to. We need Okay, to. if anyone watching can get us, get their hands on some Deftones beer, please let us know. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you got, you were at a Deftones show. You were in the pit, right? I was in the pit. Yeah. Um, all 370 pounds of me. I uh, was jumping around, dehydrated, drinking beer, and I went to spin around and I tore my LCL in the pit. Um, couldn't really get out because no one listens to you, right? You're trying to fall and grab and pushing around. Fast forward, right? Uh, I get on a, a plane that night, uh, fly to Connecticut for. Or where was the show? Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly to Connecticut for a, a party family thing. Uh, when I get here, my knees the size of a basketball. I go in. Um, I start talking to the doctors, and doctors like, hey, my man, like, this is uh, status quo, baby. Like, this is new you, right? Like, your lifestyle choice, your age, I was 27, your age, your lifestyle choice, your your path, uh, like, I don't see I don't see a turn. So, like, prepare 
for this to begin the future, right? Your body's going to begin to give on you. And I was like, okay, well, I, I hear you, right? And I walked out. And then I think with some time, um, being laid up like that gives you time away because you spend a lot of time alone. And I think it may have given me that break of the of the messaging from everybody else. And I was just like, I don't know, maybe maybe that's a challenge and not a, um, what do you call it, not my destiny. And that began. Or a wake-up call for that yeah. matter. I mean, that's yeah. exactly what it is, yeah. Yeah, and so I started running and then working out. And my brother was a big piece of that. Like, go, get up, work out, work Which out. Which brother of yours? Uh, my middle my middle brother, Dan. Okay. Yeah, Dan. Um, big, big part of me getting out and, and doing life. So I started working out a bit. Um, by no means was I that way. I mean, getting from 370 to, to, to 190 took forever. Um, how, how long did that take you? Maybe three, three years. That's 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 fairly quick for losing that much weight, no? It, it, yes, but it, but, it, but it feels like. But forever. but health in a healthy manner. In a healthy way, yeah. No, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't do. Not that there's anything with surgery. I didn't need surgery at the point. Yeah. I, I was. We're uh, not doing like the juice cleanse for three years to get to that weight. No, yeah. I mean I would be lying if I said I didn't take a fat burner at least. <laughs> <laughs> but who has it? Um, yeah, but then I just kind of that became the catalyst for for change. I I was the first time in my life that I exhibited power over my desires, over my age, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I just began to say, hey, if I stay in this space, um, this will be, this can be helpful. And that's kind of where a lot of the catalyst began. I think from there to cooking to where life is now, um, I was on a phone call with w one of my boys and I hadn't talked to him in years. And he's like, yo, my man, like whatever happened to business school? And I was like, what? Oh, this is this is after the this is after, yeah yeah. So I had, I was cooking and and he turns to me, and he's like, "Yo, um, whatever happened to business school?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Business school. Weren't you gonna go to culinary school to go to business school?" And in that moment, like, it flashed to me seven years prior, I had told myself that I'm gonna go to culinary school to go to business school, but I I went in, I I started this thing, and then I became this thing that I was doing, and I was like, "I'm a chef now." And right. he just like threw that at me, and it was like this like movie moment where you like pull back in time, and you're like standing in your skin seven years ago, and I was like, oh shit, like this is not the path, this is not the path that I wanted. Like where the where yeah. the fuck am I, right? And uh, and I was like, gotta go to school, gotta go to school. I never did it. One day I'm sitting in my room drinking a fucking Corona at probably like 5:30 p.m. because I used to work super early in the morning. Um, and my brother goes, yo, sign this paper, and I'm like, yeah, for what? Blah blah. blah. He goes, cool, here, log in, choose a password. I was like, okay. He goes, you're now enrolled in college. Pick your courses. Your brother did this. Your younger brother. My younger brother. Shout out to Dan. Dan. Wow, it takes a lot for a younger brother to do that, risking judgment from his older brother or yeah. being yelled at or beat up. Yeah. No, I was like, what do I do? He's like, yo, here it is. What school were you going to? Uh, Georgia Perimeter. Well, you know what? Let's, let's give Dan yeah. a little cheers. Dan, cheers. 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 Ivy, cheers. And then cheers for uh, being cheers, tough bro. on your brother. You changed my life. That's good. So, so you enrolled what school? Um, Georgia Perimeter. It's like a sister school of Georgia State. Okay. Um, and you went to business school. Did you? No, I was. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, I cooked. Um, cooking is science. Cooking is chemistry. Therefore, I should probably go to school for chemistry. So. Like a, it's the Breaking Bad uh, <laughs> intro right here. So then I started cooking. <laughs> um, I lasted a semester, uh, and then I kind of like, it was like, all right, let's be real. Right? Like, yeah. Just because you can cook meat doesn't mean you can uh, invent compounds. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, hey, I, I commend you for having given it a try, but and also for checking yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Real cool. Yeah. Uh, so after one semester, you switched over to business? Uh, psychology. So okay. I switched over to psychology. I wanted to do like this organizational uh, psychology, so understanding how our environment can influence our behavior and our production and, and those things. Uh, I call it like cold psychology. And there just wasn't, it was a doctor program. I wasn't interested in doing a seven-year track. So um, I just filled my, my course load with psychology as much as I could, electives, and then went business until I transferred to Georgia State. Um, psychology, uh, economics, and business. So you, you graduated with a bachelor's in psychology, economics, and business? Yeah, with a minor in economics. You double majored? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Four. 
Okay, yeah, I mean, it sounds, sounds like you had a lot of time on your hands you were wasting, yeah. honestly. Yeah, um, yeah, I was. So you're, you're still in Atlanta. Um, you graduated. What do you do then? Uh, I got a job at uh, a company here in the city. Uh, it was a long shot. Uh, so I, you, you, you wanted to come back to New York from Atlanta? I didn't. I didn't want to come come back to New York. Like I, I left New York demoralized and I felt broken. I, I worked in the culinary world in the city, like barely a level of six fifty, seven dollars, ten dollars at best an hour was what I was getting trying to live the life in the city, yeah. and I was broke. And I was like broke and broken. And I was like, I can't. Like fuck it, fuck it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna. City it was nice. It's nice to know you. Peace. I'm out. Um, and I came back, and I remember the first day I set foot in the city. It was 5 o'clock in the morning. I had to get up to commute to my job. I got up. I was doing Where a reverse. Where were you commuting from? From the city to Connecticut. Oh, you are doing a reverse commute. I was doing a reverse commute okay. for a minute. And uh, I remember 5 o'clock sitting at the platform at 125th, waiting for the, for the Metro North. And I felt like at peace in, in the place, in the place. And I was like, so you place. felt like you've fallen into your personal legend yeah. and your path. Son of a bitch, I was like. You. <laughs> how long how long did it take you to feel that like when you started going back to school i'm sure there's a part of you that felt happy to be on that path right yeah i think when i was in when i was in school i was just excited to be connected with myself uh an old friend of mine gave me this dr snow uh i forget who the quote is but the quote is it takes courage to grow up and become who you truly are uh, and I know it doesn't resonate with some people, right? Because some people are unapologetically themselves. But for me, who who is uh, very apologetically myself, you know, it, it was something that resonated so much. And it was just like, it felt like I was getting closer to that. And every every day that I went and I did, it felt like this brave declaration of choosing myself over over who, or over whatever else. I did. So you, I don't mean to cut you off, no, sorry, no. but you're living in New York, working in Connecticut, but I want to backtrack a little bit because I know you talking about your multiple lives. You were a contractor at one point. Yeah. Uh, you were a radio host. Yeah. You were a chef, which we discussed. Yeah. When were you a contractor? When were you a radio host? Yeah. So when we moved, <laughs> when we moved to, I forget about it. I actually, before I came here, I was like, I hope I did enough of my uh, research on my own life to be able to answer the question. <laughs> um, it's funny because before we even started this and we're prepping the set and everything, I'm just talking to Javier about things that he's okay with talking about if there's anything off limits, which thankfully there's not. Appreciate that. Um, and then I think we were talking about music or something. He's like, yeah, and I was a radio host. That's, oh, we're sound checking. Yeah, I used to, this makes me feel like when I was on the radio. I was like, what are you talking about? There's a lot of parts of you that I still didn't know because you lived such a, such a really interesting life with multiple uh, chapters. Yeah, I think what's it, the saying? It's like jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Um, my yes. father, when I was a kid, used to call me a, uh, a perpetual quitter, or he used to have another word. Um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, right. A chronic quitter, some shit he used right. to call me. Um, and it wasn't until now, right, in, in this age that I'm in now, my 30s, that I kind of realized I was like, it wasn't that I was a quitter. It's just like I, I find something, I grab onto it, and I become just enthralled by everything about it. And I go so deep into it that eventually I like get to the core, and I was like, wow, that was amazing. And I had no patience for discovery. Right? I don't have patience for discovery. I go in. And I go in hard. Right. And then when I get there and I'm like, this is amazing. I've learned what I have to learn. What's next? You right. know? And I didn't quite realize that you can't do that. In, and you can't do it in a career. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe there wasn't enough depth in those other career paths for you. Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, what you do now, we'll get into that. That just, there's a lot of moving parts. It's really complicated. It's like, it's like an ever, never-ending puzzle you're trying to fix. Right. Right, um, but we'll get into that. So, when were you a radio host? So, and what? Tell us what what station? What were you doing? Yeah. So, um, contracting. I moved in. I contracted for my landlord. Right. Then, while I was in school, this is in Atlanta. This is in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. While I was in school, we had a nonprofit radio station, and I had a friend of mine who, when I first moved there, I'm a big house head. Love house music. When I first moved there, I turned on the radio. It was like 11 p.m. and it was like house music just bumping. Ooh. It was like a classic. I immediately called in the radio station. I was like, yo, who are you? What is this? Where can I find this? I just moved here. I've been here for, it was like two weeks. And I became super tight with this dude. He was the, the host. Uh, fast forward four years after that, I took over his show, which is fucking, really? to me it was amazing, yeah. Uh, Houseworks was 
Nice name. Yeah. Um, and you were a contractor before that, so kind of double on top. <laughs> it was. It was <laughs> staying in that realm. Um, and so I had the opportunity to uh, to join the radio station, and so it's a nonprofit radio, so you don't have the guardrails that you have. I mean, is it uh, was it a student radio station, like a college was, radio station? It was owned by the by the school. Yeah. Some of the yeah, some of the best radio stations, like yeah. WSLU, Seton Hall Pirate Radio, the best radio station for hardcore in the in the world, maybe. Oh yeah. hell yeah, it is one of the probably yeah. better. If you if you're in New Jersey, even I know you can catch it in New York or when yeah. the when the airways a little bit there. But yeah, no, you, you want to listen to hardcore and they, but they, not just hardcore, they play a lot of good stuff all day long. They also have a great yeah. underground hip hop. Oh, they used to at least. I haven't listened to that. I don't think they do that. I don't think they have the underground. They hip-hop. used to have a great underground hip hop yeah. show back in the day. Um, Javier's musical taste is so broad. Just like me, I, I'm a firm believer that if you if you call yourself a music lover, you love multiple genres. If you say you're a music lover and you only love one genre, well, you, you're you're just a lover of that one genre. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We I mean we that's another thing we bonded on. Obviously, Deftones, but hip hop, house, like all that stuff. So it's amazing that. You know, you, you come up with playlists, and by the way, uh, look out for Outsiders playlists on, on Spotify. You got to make them. Exactly. Um, so, so you were obviously a radio host, contractor. We talked yeah. about that. Um, you moved back to New York. Let's get back to that feeling you had when you were sitting on the platform. You felt yeah. like you're on your path. Um, have you felt like you've been on your path since then? Tell us what anything – tell us, like, the – lineup of events that that preceded that let so um i jumped a bit right so before i, I got to new york right i came to connecticut uh i was in connecticut i lived in connecticut i worked in connecticut as in my hometown actually the job i took was based in the city they sold their office in the city and moved to norwalk <laughs> connecticut so when i came up i accepted the job i was like yeah i'm gonna be working the lower east side dope and were you like in super great shape by then or was it still the process of i was getting there yeah. I, I was still I was still working on getting there. Um, I didn't get into great shape until uh, an uh, emotional event happened. Peak of sadness. Get into that breakup shape. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, that oh, was the catalyst right. for that. Yeah. Um, but so I was in Connecticut. Um, I was working in Connecticut, trying to get into the city. Right. I expected to come to the city, live in the city. So that's why I was doing the reverse commute initially. Right. Right. And I was like, this is kind of crazy. So I was just gonna move back to the hometown. So lived, moved with my family there for like a bit until I found a spot. Um, did, how did that make you feel like moving back to Norwalk from the city? I, did you still feel like you were on your path? Or did you feel like it was a setback? Yeah, no, it felt like it was, it was weird because it was a different place. Like, because what used to be us was them, right? Like, I went home and I was like, oh, like, y'all, like, I saw the people who, who I looked up to and they were doing towny shit, which is fine. Like, that's right. your choice. So you choose life. You know, you choose it in that way. Um, and so just, I didn't feel like I was in it because I knew that I wasn't. I was like, I'm, I'm here in a different capacity, right? I'm not back in. You, you were, you were an outsider with it. <laughs> you were an outsider within uh, the townies and the people you, you grew up with, but you so you kind of were, yeah, you weren't necessarily them. Right. I mean, on the outside of peace, I feel like I'm as an immigrant who's not 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 welcome here, but never felt fully welcome here, and never felt fully welcome in their own country. Hey, say. on that note, there's actually Babak, my cousin, who you know, yeah. who runs outside of Stockholm. Uh, years ago, came up with this great. I don't even know if it's a charity, but it's like a community called Third Culture Kids, and that's exa- exactly what I mean. I've I've felt that way before. Yeah. I wasn't born here. My mom is. Uh, French and American. My dad is from Iran. Uh, you know, you're Costa Rican, so in Costa Rica, you're the American guy. Yeah. In America, you're the Costa Rican guy. Right. So where do you fit in? It's this third culture that only really immigrants or children of immigrants can understand. And it's weird because you almost feel like there's no place where you fit in entirely. Here's the thing, and, and I talk about this with, with Georgia, right, yeah. often. Um, she's very much a create a home. And I'm like, I don't know if I've ever... I don't know if I know what a home looks like, but I know what it feels like. And I know that I felt it many places. I felt it here in the studio. Right. I felt it at your house, in the car. Like, it's a feeling to me, right? Yeah. And I would be all fucking, oh, it's a feeling. But, like, if you feel at place in the place that you are, then, like, that's what you need. And so I, I feel, like, dexterous in the ability to be wherever I am, you know what I mean? And, and say, hey, this is my space here. It's true, because I get feelings, that home feeling, 
for different aspects of that home feeling from different people in different places as well. Um, my challenge is finding that all-encompassing in one place. Uh, yeah. That, that's a challenge for me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that exi- I mean, to be honest, I don't know if that exists, right? And if we find the all-encompassing, then, like, we've, we've made it. Right? We've made it to Mecca. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if that's if that's a question that we'll ever answer. Um, so, you're working in Connecticut, living in Connecticut. What's the next thing that happens to you? Uh, so the next thing that happens to me, um, I know what you're getting at. We'll go there. <laughs> um, I don't even know what you're referring to, but all right. <laughs> um, so I'm working at this job. It's my first job out of college. Uh, way too much responsibility, way too much rope to hang myself with. I'm supposed to fly out to uh, UK. Um, and I'm going back to my, to my home because I forgot my, uh, my passport. Uh, and I pull up to this house, and there's a fire truck in front of my house, completely blacked this out. This is in Connecticut. This is in Connecticut. Um, yeah. completely blacked out house. I'm like, I pull up to the fire truck. I was like, what are you doing? I was like, I was driving behind on the way home and it's one of those things like, oh, I wonder if this ambulance is going to my house, you know? And then it pulls up to my house, but like my house, there's nothing wrong with it, right? Okay. So, so I pull up, um, I couldn't see it, it was so dark. Um, and I'm like, I pull up to the fire truck, I was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, this is my house. He goes, what do you mean this house? I was like, yeah, this house here? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you don't know what happened? And I was like, no. And he takes his mag light and he shines his mag light on the house and it had burned down. <laughs> you lost everything. I lost everything, yeah. Every material possession yeah. you had. Everything. How does that change you as a man, uh, uh, as a person? Yeah. Excuse me. Um, no, I am, I, am, I am a man. I identify as a man. Okay. Um, how it changes me <laughs> <laughs> as a person. <laughs> um, I think uh, the first thing I did, which is uh, I called my cousin up, and I was like, yo, I, I think I need your I need your help. My place burned down. I'm trying to see what I can salvage from it. Um, and I was like, by the way, on your way here, uh, I got this crazy uh, craving for some barbecue. So Are you joking? That's what I said to him. And, and he was <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, you yeah. lost everything. You call him. I think I may need some help. Can you bring some barbecue? Like that's it was that it was your comfort. In a way, or was it just like humor? Just is always like, my, yeah, absolutely. Okay. What better way of addressing a moment of of anything than by slicing that shit right now? Now I commend you. I'd be like, "Come help me, my life is ruined." And, and it wouldn't be it's material possessions, of yeah. course. But like, yeah, I think sh- I I have a pretty good shock response. Yeah. Um, I internalize it really well, and then hold it, and then I process it later when when a little bit of the adrenaline is down. So in that moment, I was like, okay, cool. Let's see what we can save here, uh, if anything, right? Before yeah. I, I start running around like like crazy. Um, so I was like, perfect time for a joke. Make everyone else the empath. Make everyone else feel comfortable. Because now I've made a joke about my but fire. What's funny is you say that, but your favorite humor is making people feel uncomfortable and not, and not like letting them in on a joke. Like you want them to feel uncomfortable for as long as possible. <laughs> This but bastard in, <laughs> loves but that like, but oh, like a How do you mean you get along? Because I like doing yeah. that too. <laughs> Man, you guys can have a great time uh, making people feel really uncomfortable. Because it's in a safe space, though. Because eventually afterwards you do it and the person's like, whoa, and all of a sudden we bonded in this moment. You were super uncomfortable and, and I was there. I pushed you in front of a car, but then I pulled you. Okay. Saved your life. Ah, so yeah, it's really funny. So, so now, we're, <laughs> now, now we're bonded. <laughs> um, well, Dan, so how did you... I mean, how did this change your life moving forward? Um, so I think uh, in the course of six months, right, to not give you the long version of the story, right, in the course of six months, um, I tried to get my uh, – I tried to rebuy all my furniture because, as anyone may know, insurance companies take forever, if ever, to pay you. Um, so I tried to rebuy my furniture. I tried to extend my credit, and I got denied, denied, denied. Um, so I go find out. It turns out my identity had been stolen for $30,000. So – if you remember, I, I was going back to my house to get my passport because I needed to get on a flight to fly to UK. So needless to say, I did not get on that flight. So within those six months, uh, my job, I pretty much was on the thinnest of ice in my job, right? Uh, my professional identity was, was in shambles. My uh, monetary identity, which is 
apparently the only one that fucking mattered in this country <laughs> was someone else's now. They were using it at their will. Uh, my belongings, my physical identity had been taken away. Um, I had other things in my life that had happened. And so my identity relative to those around me had completely changed. And I was left uh, just me there every day. So uh, what I would take from that is you started feeling comfortable with very little. Minimum. I, I didn't. Uh, now, yes, right. That's a, 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 a byproduct of that. But what happened was like every day I'd wake up waiting for the shit to hit the fan. I was like, tomorrow's going to be the day. Tomorrow's going to be the day where I fucking realize it. And then it never came. And then I sat for a second. You asked me, right, right, what do I feel that it, it changed? And, and I sat for the second and I was like, what did I not lose? Because I lost everything. I thought I lost everything. Right. What did I not lose? My mother and my brother. And then I realized in life, I was like, this, there's this story that we tell ourselves. We give our power to others, right? To other people, to other things. Uh, take it from my favorite shirt. I throw my favorite shirt on and now I'm happy. When I'm sad, I put on my favorite shirt and it makes me happy. I take the power out of me and I put it in this thing because it's easy. Right. It's easier than me saying, I'm choosing to make myself happy because I own that power. And so well, I said, yeah, it's, it's the internal validation to... To, to be happy on your own, right? I mean, not wait on outside yeah, sources. I think yeah, I, I hadn't realized, I didn't have the, the presence of mind to understand that it was a validation thing, right? Right. All I, I, I didn't know what it was. All I did know is that, like, it was now, I had made a choice before I even realized the choice that I was making. And that choice was for me to, to continue to, to survive and move on, right? That's, that's extremely commendable. I don't know. Most people, I think, would have a hard time doing that. But then again, like, you didn't really have a choice. So, I mean, I mean, you could have sat in it and wallowed, but you didn't. So, yeah. that's amazing. What third, followed that? Third culture kids, right? Third culture kids. That's what right. we do. We, we don't really sit and wallow. We just continue to be outsiders exactly. and survive. I see what you did there. <laughs> what, uh, what followed there then? Um, fire at the job. Um, I took a job at this, uh, over, the, over the course of like two years, I, I moved from company to company in probably three companies over the course of like two years, just trying to find space. I, I went this, through- Had I met you by then? No, no, not yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, in essence, I was a blank slate trying to, to redefine myself because all the definition that I had made of myself was uh, in the context of others. And now all that thing had been wiped clean. I was trying to find what was truly mine, what was others. What did I not mind that was others that is now mine? Um, you lost me. <laughs> uh, some people sometimes define parts of ourselves, right? And when you go through something like that where you feel like, uh, they say what's that, that yoga saying, uh, in order to, to realize self-esteem must first completely destroy itself, right? Um, so I was completely destroyed. What was that realization going to be? How much of the shell of the seed was was I going to take with me, and was it all mine, or did someone influence me, and that I mm, decided, so yeah, yeah. you know, that that I want to take that with me. I learned this from Jay, and I will take this with me for the rest of my life, and, and not, you know, say fuck everybody and all the things that everyone left on me. They didn't leave on me, right? Uh, Nine Inch Nails, another big fan, has a song called "The Collector," right? And it took me a while to understand. Uh, he says, "I am a collector. Uh, everything, everything, something. There's a big net it drags behind me." Uh, and I've never resonated so much with one of their songs than that. And I was like, holy shit, that's what I've been doing my whole life. Yeah. But some of that stuff is mine in that net. Yeah, the, the baggage, so, right. Yeah. yeah. Some of it, I want some of that, though. Some of it's lessons. So, like, well, I'll pick through all this shit, see what I want to do. Yeah. You know? Um, and just made a smaller net. That's a great, great analogy. It makes me understand what you, you know, how you move forward. Um, so, it seems like. From there out, you just been on on the rise, on you know, coming up as far as career go career goes. You met you met your dream girl in Georgia. Uh, you had an amazing proposal, yeah. which I was uh, lucky enough to be a part of. Uh, he asked me to uh, get somebody to film it. Um, it was beautiful, and, and we have video of it. So hopefully, we can show uh, that. I'll get that to Bams to cut into this video, but it was beautiful. Um, I'm not sure if that jumped a bunch of steps forward without, or was that kind of like the way, that direction your life kind of started going? 
No, I think, um, I mean, you can, you can zoom in on any moment in your life and be like, what's the meaning in this moment, right? right. And I think it's just a series of choices and decisions and, and pieces that, that have just become uh, these blocks of, of the walking path. So I think there's no, I don't think there's any, any large piece in between there that. Okay. That's great. I really appreciate the fact that you and George are connected because yeah. I found an amazing friend in you. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. I, I, I stole him <laughs> from you. Um, what's funny is that uh, we were really connected because we were supposed to go, you, me, Georgia, to Miami and hang out, and Georgia just couldn't make it last minute. So actually, this is like, what, a year into your relationship with her? Yeah. So Javier and I just went together and had a great time. Yeah. It, was, it was really amazing. Yeah. Um, we shared a bunk. We shared a bunk in the freehand uh, free hotel? No, the hand job. Freehand. <laughs> that didn't sound like a dad joke. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> it did not. And I know you won't cut that out, so thank you, man. Appreciate it. Um, no, no, thank you, Javier. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, so I appreciate you sharing everything about your life. Is there anything? Well, I, let me ask you these few questions. So, uh, what advice would you give high school you, looking back on what you've experienced? If there's anything you would change, what advice would you give him? So cliche. Uh, and it could be something really brief. Don't go too long. We're, not, we're kind of running low on time. Um, I, w I wouldn't tell him anything. I love who I am now. I love the people that are around me. I love the lessons that I've learned. I regret nothing that I've done. I mean, if I've hurt you and I haven't apologized for it, I am sorry if you're seeing this. Um, but I don't regret anything else. Um, what motivates you to keep on pursuing your dreams? And what does success mean to you? Uh, what motivates me to keep my dreams going? Um, or pursuing your dreams, yeah. Uh, or pursuing my dreams. Um, cliche as fuck, but like growth. You know, uh, yeah. after a, a certain period of time of doing the same, of being the same, um, I, I feel that you begin to, to atrophy, right? Like mentally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> constant pursuit of growth. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, what's the word? Um, actually, in the, in the book, Make It Don't Fake It by Sabrina Horn, she talks about like, being comfortable and, and uh, you know, stagnation usually leads you falling behind. You never st actually technically stay still. Sitting still is falling behind. Right. You have to have con continuous growth. Um, so, yeah, that's a great motivator. Right. Um, what is a dream that you've yet to achieve that you want to achieve in your life? I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I think... I live very much life uh, as it is. I have goals and views, but there's nothing where I don't want to die and say I'd never accomplish this thing. There's nothing that stands out you're saying that? No, there's nothing that, if I die tomorrow, there's nothing I'd be like, damn it. I you wish I'd die, okay. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, more, time with, more time with my partner, obviously. But Of course. Like, but there's nothing that, you know. Well then, you seem to be doing right. Yeah. <laughs> At least for your personal legend. Yeah. Um, okay, what is your most embarrassing moment? I know you got something great. <laughs> you got to. My most embarrassing moment. Um, there's so many different, uh, I don't know, I think <laughs> I, was in, I was in high school and uh, snap pants were very much in style. <laughs> and so uh, I was cool. I had my, uh, my Adidas shell toes. Uh, the black canvas with the white toe and the black stripes, so limited edition for then. Um, just have to shout that out. Okay, just, what's the relevance um, of that? <laughs> so, you can, so you can visualize <laughs> okay. the look. Story time. Um, okay, go so ahead. I had unsnapped the two bottom clips, and I'm stepping onto the bus, to the public bus. The bus door closes, and I step through the stairs. <laughs> the bottom two buttons had gotten caught in the door, and I stepped out of my pants into <laughs> the bus with my high school boy underwear, which were holier than the Pope. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I knew he had a great story. I knew he had a great story. You, you always have something embarrassing uh, happening. Uh, <laughs> oh, life. Life. <laughs> um, <laughs> what have I not asked you that you want to share with the audience? Something about yourself you'd like people to know. Uh, cute dad joke. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Um, 
I don't I don't know. I feel like maybe I'll switch and say something that I that I because uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to share. But I say one thing that I that I hope is that um, when I meet people, they feel the loving, caring person that I that I am, and that that's what I leave with them. You first said you say empath, so you're not caring, but now you're saying caring. <laughs> Hypocrite. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what you're saying, you know? and I'm I, I'm firm believer of people do feel that. I mean, I feel that. I mean, I see people uh, in the way they interact with you and the outsiders feeling very comfortable, feeling uh, taken care of with you. Uh, people, I mean, people give us feedback on their guides, their their, their drivers, and it's always very positive. Um, so thank you for for that. Um, thank you. <laughs> We end every interview with a segment of five rapid-fire questions. You know how that works. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. All right. So, first question. Favorite music artist other than Deftones? Favorite? Uh, rapid-fire. Oh, you're asking me to, to, to go through. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Uh, just go. Uh, Tom York. Tom York from Radiohead. Radiohead. Okay. Good one. Uh, favorite city other than New York City? Uh, ATL, baby. ATL? Okay. You have great memories from ATL? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your uh, favorite outsider's adventure, like activity? In general or of all the ones I've gone to? All the ones you've gone to. Uh, and then uh, let us know in general. The bike rides, man. Bike rides? The, the, the Rockaway bike rides. Yeah, a Rockaway bike ride yeah. is, is, is actually the founding adventure for us. Really? That was That's what launched Outsiders. It's one of my favorites too. I mean, yeah. two components that I love: cycling and the beach. Yeah. So it's just such a, an energy of all these people together. It's it's quite I, beautiful. I I I agree with those sentiments for sure. Um, so the questions were rapid. <laughs> the questions are. The responses are. Uh, if you got a new tattoo, what would it be? Uh, a tattoo of the color of my skin over the tattoo that I currently have. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, this one. Okay, okay. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, last question. What is your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food is, uh, so I was once called by Georgia. She goes, oh, you're one of those uh, organ meat guys. <laughs> so um, my favorite food is uh, lengua. <laughs> oh, my. So, so he knows that at the end of this interview, I asked this question and everyone brings their favorite food. I think he brought this to mess with me. No, it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, listen, lengua is really good, man. It is. Oh, you like it too? Hell yeah, dude. So what, what is the, or, what, what country of origin is this dish? So this dish, I got, I can't find lengua the way that I know tongue, beef tongue, right? Yeah. Uh, the way that I know it. So I always refer to my go-to taco is beef tongue taco. Beef tongue tacos. Yeah, I mean, there's there's this nostalgia. There's this nostalgia that I have with them. Um, there's four, so plenty for you to have four. I've um, never had tongue beef tongue in my wait, life. Wait, but don't you eat you eat snails, right? When your mom makes snails. Yeah. Well, she, All right. Well, I mean, it's. I'm not gonna say it's the same, but I mean, listen, you're so, willing to try yeah, it. I'm gonna try it, of course. But but eating here's, beef tongue. This is the first time. I'm a little nervous really? about this. Here's the joy of beef tongue. It's the only food you eat that tastes you at the same time that you taste it. You're an asshole. Asshole. Again, my friend. All right. How do I prepare this? So we got a little guacamole over here. Uh, this is Mexican style. So I would take a little bit of the cilantro and the onion, a little bit of this uh, guac, and just uh, sprinkle it on there. Prepared for me, so you I want to give a shout out to the place that you picked that up. From? Yeah, uh, Irma's Cafe on Central Ave, Jersey, has the, Jersey City. Jersey City okay. has the oh, I know that's, yeah, that's a good spot. Yeah, right. bangingest tacos I've had. Really? There you go. You, you buy them on there? Uh, if if there's any juice in there, it's the driest lines ever. It is. All right. Oh man, <laughs> first time eating tom. It's quite delicious. I'm not opposed to it. It's just, again, like, like Georgia I said. Mean, it's, not your, it's not your first time eating tongue, boy. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't let them lie to you. <laughs> Cheers.
tears. Mm. I mean, it's like beef. It's like beef. Tender beef. Tender, yeah, it's, it's more tender. Yeah. Well, the first time for everything, right? <laughs> I might have it again. Um, it's funny that I'm talking like I'm scared about this, but I've eaten like bugs in China, like fried larvae and all that stuff. Anyway, That's on that note. I appreciate you being part of this interview. Thanks for sharing Thank your you amazing life and story with us. Um, I got nothing but great things to say about you, but I'm hungry and I want to eat. Wait, wait, I thought you guys had a, you guys were doing something. He had a, a bottle he wanted to oh, share with you. Yeah. What you got? Oh, oh mezcal. Mezcal and song. That's a great little contraption. What is that? Want to shout them out? Yeah, yeah, they come included. If I can get this open here, open your own. All right. Yeah. Just put the little cap off of it. Uh, I've been yeah. doing this wrong. Oh, in case I'm an emergency, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, what, what mezcal is? Is this your favorite spirit? Uh, it has been lately. It's got a nice... Uh, Nice smoky, smoky taste. Um, I'm not sure which one this is. To be honest, since this is the travel, it's probably a mess. A mix. Is this something to uh, sip or shoot? Uh, we will shoot it. All right. Well, then I'm gonna continue to sweat afterwards. Tongue tacos and mezcal shots. This is a great. This happens to be Taco Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Get that little shiver on camera. All right, on that note, oh, I'm starving, and it's time for us to go because I'm hungry. So thank you again for being part of this. Bams, thank you for everything you do behind the scenes. Cheers. Thank you, brother. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.